getting into the farmer's insurance open course preview, course history, recent form, top stat fits, talking about the top price point plays in each pricing tier, highlighting the top value plays, giving you guys the core plays for this week, as well as giving you guys a first look build. It's going to be an action packed video. Let's get into it. All right. So getting into the preview for the farmer's insurance open, I think the most important thing that we need to touch on is the fact that this tournament is going to play it on two separate courses. It's going to have three rounds on Torrey Pines South, which is going to be a longer track. We can see it's a beautiful course. And then it's also going to be played on Torrey Pines North, which is going to be a shorter track. So in terms of scoring showdown wise and first round leader wise, you want to be betting on the North course. It's going to be the easier of the two courses, most likely. Okay. That's not always the case. Like we can never guarantee that, but it should be the route to go. And so I really hope that we have a first round leader market because last week I couldn't find one. And Sam Burns, ended up being a player that ranked like top two, I believe, for a specific course for a first round leader. So I would have made three straight weeks in which we hit a first round leader. Obviously, that would have been more course dependent, uh, but I'm hoping that we get that first round leader market because there could be a good edge there both for Torrey Pines South and Torrey Pines North. I'm hoping that we get that. But with that, with us having three or two different courses, the key stats that we're going to look at are not going to be as true because it's pulling in from three rounds instead of four rounds with the North course. And so for course history as well, Torrey Pines South was actually the host of the U.S. Open in 2021. So you guys will see for course history, I'm actually going to be pulling in that. And I'll explain that more when we get into the course history aspect. But just looking at the course, it is a California course, seaside course, uh, par 72. It does play pretty long, 7,700. Uh, they actually added some length to it. Poa Greens, average winning score is 15 under par. And then the average cut line is around two, okay? And so it really just depends on how it plays. Typically speaking, because North course plays easier, the cut line could be at minus three, which would technically rank out as easy scoring. But given the fact that they play three rounds on the South course, which is a harder scoring track, the average win score is typically pretty low. Or sorry, I shouldn't, high? It's uh, it's not an easier scoring track. Let's just put it that way. It's not too difficult. It's more or less a normal scoring event. And the biggest defense that Torrey Pines South has is its length. So looking at key stats, like the biggest takeaways that we have are going to be like total driving and ball striking probably matter a little bit more this week. And these are always like primary stats that I put in there each and every week. They're not exactly key stats for that specific tournament. They are stats I look at every week because they always matter. And we can see in terms of like ball striking, we see that as much like more significant players that struggle uh, ball striking tended to miss the cut more, especially when we look at striking off the tee approach around the green uh, putting as well. So like that, that's going to be a key stat. And then total driving in terms of like winning upside players that were pretty good total driving tended to win more. But the interesting thing is we have so many different winners between Luke List, Patrick Reed, Mark Leishman, Justin Rose, Jason Day. Like these are all different winners that we have there. So it's tough to really draw any certain conclusion to that. And then if we look at like birdie to bogey ratio or birdie or better percentage, yes, birdie to bogey ratio is going to be huge. You typically always want to look at birdie or better percentage just because players that can make birdies are going to be players that tend to make the cut more. But really what this is telling me is that we should be looking at birdie or better percentage, but also probably bogey avoidance as well. So that'll be another stat that I'm probably looking at. And I always typically like to look at par five scoring, just yields to you know more results. Obviously, uh, if they're scoring on par fives, they're making some birdies and you know just going to be more likely to make the cut there. But just pulling up the US Open as well, the John Rahm year, so I clicked on that, uh, just looking at what were the key stats in terms of him winning. It was stroke approach, it was total driving, it was ball striking, uh, it was birdie or better percentage, birdie to bogey ratio, good drive percentage, was there as well you know typically speaking they make the u.s open play more difficult thus the rough was more penalizing there so that makes sense and then i think because of the length we actually saw a wedge 
game actually matter a little bit more than it typically would as well. So with that, we kind of have a good indication of what we're going to be looking at key stat wise. And here it is. We got stroke scan total. Always like to look at that effective scoring. That's going to be that nine to five stat that typically pulls in uh, at just a bunch of stats. It's pretty much both ability to make the cut and then also upside. Okay. So we're going to be looking at that birdie or better percentage looking at that par five scoring plus and plus is going to be it's it's a new stat that i've been working on it's going to be factoring players from the corn Ferry tour uh dp tour and then looking at the pga tour their last five starts and then for the season so it's like a combination stat and so just looking at that we can see which players are popping up now i don't think we want to focus on this one or patrick welch at all that's gonna be small sample sizes but we got john rom tony finau Kyle Moore, Kawa, keegan bradley xander smalley Sun Jam all popping up as some good key stats or stat fits. And then looking at course history, guys, and just want to point this out. The course history three H three is actually going to be the U S open from 2021. Okay. Just so you know. So when we see H three, that's going to be factoring in the U S open. And so we see Luke List has some pretty good course history first last year, 10th the year before that. That's good stuff. Aaron Rye, one start, sixth place finish, but I really like John Rahm. I mean, it's tough not to love John Rahm. Third, seventh, first, and 23rd, just tremendous course history, guys. Average finish of 8.5 over his last four starts at Torrey Pines South. I mean, that's just really good. Uh, Austin Smotherman, 11th, pretty good stuff there. And he'll be someone I think we'll talk about at the end of this video. Xander coming in with four straight make cuts. Had a 34th place finish last year, which, you know, not the best, but, you know, when he doesn't have his best to at least see a made cut, we like that. Besides that, second, seventh, and fifth, good stuff there. JT. 20th, 19th, 8th, all good stuff there from him. Sanjay M, four straight made cuts with a top 10 finish place last year. Willie Z, second, seventh, miscut 10th, good stuff there from him. Hideki, four straight made cuts. Michael Thompson, casually 11th and 48th place finish. Taylor Montgomery, this is a very interesting name here, isn't it? 11th and 57th place finish. We could keep going but you guys kind of get the gist of it. And then looking at the players with the best recent form, obviously John Rahm is going to be ranking out in the best recent form. Four victories in his past five starts. Just tremendous there from John Rahm. We look at long-term, uh, recent form, everything. Just really checking all the boxes there. Xander Shoffley going to be the next best uh, if we don't include the witch roll, okay? And so he's at a third, ninth, fourth, third, average finish of 4.75. It's just tremendous stuff there. Max Homer really checking all the boxes as well. Thomas Dietrich is a very interesting name uh, coming in in the fourth best recent form in the field. Then we got Taylor Montgomery, who's just been a stud as well. Tony Finau, JJ Spawn, an interesting name popping up there. Colin Morikawa, Maverick McNeely, probably a surprising name for some people. Once again, Patrick Welch, we only have one start coming in here for him. So model-wise, he's not going to be ranking out all too well um, because I had the small sample size adjustment in the 9-to-5 model. For stats like this, I don't want to mess with it. We, we have one start coming in there for him, just so you know. Adam Hadwin, top 12. You know, really good stuff there from Adam Hadwin recently. Smalley, Van Griffin, decent. Sun JM, you know, besides that miscut at the Sony Open, really good. We got Sebu Kim, Scott Stallings, Davis Thompson popping up there as well. So all pretty good names. Like we have a pretty good field here. And let's just look at the specialist page. So the first thing I kind of wanted to look at was just players with length. Which players did the best with length? Because if we're looking at the most unique characteristic of this tournament, it probably is going to be the length. Uh, Kim here, that's a small sample size once again. Uh, don't focus on that too much. After that, we got John Rahm, Xander, Tony Finau, Taylor Montgomery, Will Zal Torres. We got Sibu Kim. That's pretty shocking. Adam Hadwin, JJ Spawn, Alex Smalley, Hayden Buckley, Maverick McNeely, Thomas Dietrich, Sun Jam, you know, some names are popping up there that are a little bit interesting. And then if we just looking at, at the full sample sizes here, the best specialist would be John Rahm, kind of no shock there. Okay. He's kind of proved that as well. Then Xander, then Taylor Montgomery, Sun Jam, Willie Z, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas. So no like kind of 
crazy shocks. And I am kind of excited, guys. I did add some more data points to the specialist page. So what I added in there was fairway width. Pretty much how easy is it to hit the fairway? That's a data point that we have going in there. We have green speeds, greens width, how easy it is to hit the green. We have stuff that, you know, probably is overkill. Rough amount. And this I should probably just change this to rough height. That's what we're looking at. Uh, rough length. So like the amount of rough on the course. And then we have more stuff like bunkers in play and water hazards in play. So definitely have a little bit of overkill with the specialist page, but I figured I have the data. Might as well include it. You know, it's I know people like to see it. So might as well just include that in there into the uh, data set as well. All right. So highlighting the top four players in each price point tier, starting with the high tier and starting with John Rahm. And he's not going to include it in this in the, in the four. I just want to lay out how great of a play John Rahm has been. Four victories in his past five starts, unless you include the Hero World Challenge, which you shouldn't because it's not a real event. I mean, it is, but it's not. Either way, still been playing tremendous golf. Okay. <laughs> He really is the class of the field. And if we pull him up on the nine to five profile, you'll be able to see just how good of a play he is. So looking at his player profile, we can see course history wise, third, seventh, first, won that US Open, and then 23rd. Key stat wise, his worst key stat that we're looking at is fourth. He ranks out fourth and <laughs> the worst key stat that we're looking at. Uh, recent form wise, just in general, guys, his worst data point that we're looking at is going to be that 23rd place finish four years ago or three years ago, I guess. That is crazy. That is crazy. And so I kind of mentioned that I would talk about why I was looking at the US Open instead of four years ago. So we know with course history that it drops off really going into year four and then into year five. And then after year five, not really relevant in terms of uh, predicting a finish. Now, yes, players that have consistently good course history that haven't missed the cut, that they're the exception to the rule there. But typically speaking, really after year three, we see a big jump. Okay. And after year five, just not really relevant. So for me, I was like, all right, would I rather look at a start from four years ago or rather look at a start at the same course, even though it was played and designed to play more differently, difficult three years ago. And I figured, let's just look at the US Open from three years ago. Same course played a little bit differently, but that way we're drawing in four starts over the past three years. To me, that's going to be a little bit easier uh, and should be a little bit more accurate. So that's why we're looking at that. But just looking at John Rahm, first specialist, first in recent form rank, first in staff fit, first in mile rank. Look, he is someone that we should be looking at. The only issue with John Rahm this week is that they finally priced them up. You know, this year has been pretty easy just given the the soft pricing DraftKings has done. Like last week, the lineup process was pretty simple. What was it? Start John Rahm, start Patrick Cantley, start uh, Andrew Putnam. And then a lot of people went with Aaron Baddeley because he was such a cheap value price point play that was easy to end up on him. So people were starting out with four made cuts, four out of six made cuts, which ended up being the norm. They also had the winner and a player like Andrew Putnam, who was just priced too cheap. And they're setting themselves up with, you know, really strong success. And that was all specifically because we were getting soft price points on elite plays. So finally, DraftKings has done a better job of pricing, especially with John Rahm, who you know has really been an elite play. We finally have to think about it with him. And, you know, he does still make for a great play. I would still argue probably a little bit too cheap. You know, he really is the best play. And then we are getting some question marks for like the next best play. And so maybe just take the headache away and just say, I'm rostering John Rahm. Don't have to worry about it. And what I mean by that is we have Tony Finau here, who just a spectacular play as well, and Xander Shoffley. And so I've been ending up on Xander Shoffley because if you look at Tony Finau, he has two mixed cuts mixed in here over the past uh, four starts, but also two top 10 finishes. So really uh, do with that what you will. But we look at Xander, it's been a 34th, a second, a seventh, and a fifth place finish. So three top 10 finishes and a 34th place finish. That is obviously really good. He had to withdraw from that century tournament 
not withdraw from that Century Tournament Champions. He had to withdraw from that. Yeah, it was the Century Tournament Champions. Apologies there. And then we saw him bounce back at the American Express with a third place finish. And if we look at his starts, they have really just been spectacular. Third, fourth, ninth. If we go back further, 57th, 15th, first, first. And it, like long-term and recent form, we can see just checking all the boxes there. Second best specialist in the field. Recent form ranked second. Uh, stat fit wise, seventh. Uh, second best pick in the nine to five miles. So he is someone that if we are fading John Rom, we are probably just starting our builds out with Xander Shoffley because you could argue he is too cheap for the elite play that he is. Because really, like, Tony Finau, Xander should be 11K plays, and John Rahm should be a 12K price point play. That's how good of plays that they are. And then from there, you could really play Kyle Morikawa. You could play Willie Z. Those are good plays as well. Not going to argue if you do. I kind of like going with JT as a GPP only play, and I want to make that clear. GPP only play. So 25th place finish at the STOC, not great. Uh, a 40th place finish at the CJ Cup, not great. And DraftKings is so frustrating. That's why we have to use the 9 to 5 database for this stuff to pull up the starts. If we go back further, we can see a 5th, 48th, 13th place finish. So he has been a little bit hit or miss, but he is someone that typically will make the cut. We can see he has had three straight top 20 finishes at this course. So that's all encouraging. Not the best staff it because, well, he has been struggling recently. But if you look at the events in which he struggled, those are no cut events. Those are events in which if a player is struggling, it's like, oh, well, you know, like they're getting paid already. It it matters, but it doesn't matter. They want to play well, but they're not overstressing it too much. Uh, I do worry about maybe JT getting off to a slow start, and that could be a big thing. Honestly, I'd probably like it better. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say I would like it better if he starts out on the easier course, the north course, and then gets the south course in the second round. But at the same time, if he struggles on the south course in round one, it wouldn't be shocking to see him go extremely low in round two. The thing with it is, JT is going to be a GPP only play, but at his price tag, and it is a little bit of sticker shock here, but he should be a strong kind of GPP price point play. We know he has the upside to really win any week, and it wouldn't be surprising to see him win this week. And so, and from there, I really love Sanjay M as a play this week. We look at his course history, six. 32nd, 35th, 22nd. So four straight make cuts with a top 10 finish in there. Love to see that there from him. If we pull up the key stats, nothing is alarming there. Key stat wise should be a really strong stat fit that way. And you know, the biggest alarming thing with Sun James is going to be that miscut at the Sony Open. But as we saw last year, it seems like that is just a tournament that is getting giving him some struggles, whether that be scheduling wise or whatnot, just seems to give him a struggle. He bounced back last week like he did the week before that or the year before that. And it seems like history is just kind of repeating itself with Sanjay M. So we might be looking at a top 10 finish here. And if we look at it, he's the fourth best specialist in the field, seventh best course history, ninth best staff fit, uh, top 20 in recent form rank. Overall, ranks out as the fourth best pick in the 9-5 model. He's going to be someone that is going to be difficult not to like at that price tag. And then the last of my favorite plays in this price point tier is going to be Taylor Montgomery. And I'm pulling up the 9-5 data tag, which kind of is, I call it the AI of 9-5, where it's telling us, you know, it's a formula base where it's telling us we should treat these players as such, basically just due to their stats. And so Taylor Montgomery is popping up as a player that we should treat as a core play. One of the four players that we should treat as a core play. So I kind of wanted to pull that out and pop that up for you guys, but we can see, you know, really good course history, 1157. That's good stuff. You know, the worry would be the key stats, but the recent form has been their fifth, 12th, 15th. I mean, he has had a great season thus far, and he should be someone that you are looking at this week. You look at specialist wise, third best specialist in the field, top five recent form rank and top 10 in the nine to five model. 
he has the upside to really go out and even potentially win this. I think he does make for an intriguing outright bet. All right, so now dipping down into that mid-tier price point tier, this is going to be that 8.9 to 8K price point tier. It's going to be tough really not to love Maverick McNeely this week, kind of given this price tag. Maverick McNeely is top 10 in recent form rank, and if we look at his key stats, he ranks out top 10 in three out of the four key stats that I'm looking at. So that's obviously going to be really good there, specialist-wise, uh, top 15 in the field. Course history rank could be a little bit better. He had a missed cut and then a May cut last year where he finished 30th. So that's going to be encouraging there. We can see the recent form has just been spectacular though. 7th, 27th, 10th, 18th, 12th, like just really good starts there for Maverick McNeely. So at 8.6, that is a pretty cheap price tag for someone that is actually ranking out top 10 in the nine to five model. He could be a natural starting point to your lineups this week. Uh, if you're not going Xander, like if you're trying to do more of a fair balance approach it makes sense to start out with Maverick McNeely and then from there like JJ Spawn is basically the exact same play as Maverick McNeely so I think that's kind of why they're priced this way you know JJ Spawn has finished 34th and then had two missed cuts so he has two missed cuts here over the past three starts and that's all he's had is uh three starts over his past you know h4 h2 h3 h4 key stat wise a little bit worse okay 17th 23rd 65th second but still pretty good as a hold there from JJ Spawn recent form has been really spectacular there not as good of a specialist and so he only ranks out 13th in the nine to five miles so you're probably starting with maverick mcneely and then going jj spawn although both of them make some very good logical sense i you know i could see them both you know being in contention on sunday as well another pretty strong price point play and this kind of just shows you um kind of the caliber of field that we have is going to be adam hadwin if we look at adam hadwin's recent form rank it is 12th in the field that is really good and matt adam hadwin if it weren't for his missed cut here at this event last year would be coming in checking all the boxes he's finished 18th 40th and 54th besides that key stat wise really strong there as well top 30 in all the key stats that we're looking at recent form wise we can see 18th 7th 32nd he's made 10 straight cuts he's a top 15 pick in the 95 model at 8.2 like if you're trying to go fair and balanced you could easily go jj spawn maverick McNeely, adam hadwin and feeling pretty good about it and then lastly looking at jason day i feel like jason day is a little bit priced up i don't feel like we need to play him okay he, he is priced up a little bit but he does make for a good gpp play and we can see that here guys you know really one bad round in there at the rsm classic 74 or 74 and then a 67 you know following that up so really one bad round okay besides that has been pretty spectacular and i'm gonna say that one bad round is not out of the equation that happened at the Makoba. that happened last week at the american express we look at the shriners in comparison one bad round so that's not out of the question but for quite some time J or jason day has been someone that has been trending in the right direction form wise if you look at his course history he's had a third and a miscut and then a 38th place finish so really good stuff there uh course history wise as well obviously we like that third place finish he ranks out top 12 in the nine to five mile so I don't see him as a cash play. I do think he makes for a strong GPP play. And the reason why he's not a good cash play is because he does have that potential to have a blow up round and maybe not make the cut. But if he does make the cut and avoids that blow up round, he could potentially be looking at a win. You know, it's as simple as that really with him. All right. So now we dip down into that low tier price point tier, that below 8K price point tier. And it is a pretty good uh, price range this week. I'll be starting out with Alex Smalley. So Alex Smalley has a 56th place finish here for course history. That is it. He ranks out top 21 or better in all the key stats that we're looking at. So that's going to be encouraging there. Stat fit wise ranks out top 10 in field then. Recent form wise, pretty good. Even with a missed cut uh, two events ago at the Sony Open because he has finished second, fifth, fourth, 11th. If we go back further, you know, that Sony Open miscut is kind of the part of which makes early season, and I, I mean by early season, early year 
PGA DFS golf a little bit more difficult because a lot of these players will have time off in between starts and you just don't know how rusty they're going to be. It was awesome to see him bounce back last week at the American Express. That kind of makes me think that we are going to get the Alex Smalley that we had been previously seen in the fall swing. And so he is someone that ranks out as a top 20 play in the nine to five mile. He's going to be someone I think you could, if you, once again, if you're doing a fair and balanced approach, McNeely, Spawn, Hadwin, and then you could go Smalley. You know, you'd be sitting pretty good by doing that. And then from there, Scott Stallings really popping up there as well. Um, we can see not the best recent starts, especially in these no-cut events. Uh, the STOC, the CJ Cup, the Zozo Championship, Norrison Classic as, as well wasn't a good start there. The biggest issue that I have or the biggest worry that I have with Scott Stallings this week is the fact that he only has one start since the RSM Classic, since two months ago. Okay, that's my biggest worry with him. And really two starts over the past three months. And he he was someone that really did need some time off because he had been playing some great golf prior to that to make the FedEx Cup playoffs, to you know really raise up his world ranking. You know, we saw a 13th place finish. We saw a second place finish. We saw another 13th place finish, you know, over his past nine starts. We saw him being in contention to win over his past 10 starts. So it does kind of make sense that after the Fighters Cup playoffs, he would kind of take a mental reset. He is someone that should be a good fit for this course, okay? He does rank out as a top 20 specialist. And if we look at his long-term form, both over the last 15 and last 10 starts, ranks out top 20 there. Overall, he still ranks out top 20 in the nine to five mile. As someone we should be looking to play, he is a GPP only play though, because the course history has been a little bit rough lately. 46, miscut, and 47. Or no, just 46 and miscut. So obviously not great there. But still, I like the upside with Scott Stallings. I like the upside that he presents. And we know he has that length. You know, that should be an advantage to him. And then looking at Thomas Dietrich, I was a little bit shocked at this price tag for Thomas Dietrich. Uh, he is someone that has had two starts at this tournament, uh, the US Open miscut, and then a 49th place finish three years ago. So, you know, nothing recent. But I like the fact that he does have some course history. If we look at recent form-wise, just been spectacular, especially if you include the DP Tour starts that they're not exactly including. 26th, 13th, 13th, 13th. Like, just been a really good play there. If you look at the Bermuda Championship, 2nd, 4th, like he... 45th, he has just been someone that has been playing some really elite golf. And the worry with him last week was the time off. And then he still finished 26th. So I like the fact that we saw him play last week. He looked good doing it. And so that tells me at 7.6, he is too cheap. This is, to me, I don't want to say like in Taylor Montgomery or like in Tom Kim, but it'd be like a poor man's version of those two where the recent form was really good the last time we saw him. And it has been good for quite a while, okay? So I want to chase that form that we had been seeing, okay? And at this price tag, he should be someone that is a good play. GPP-wise, for sure maybe cash at this price tag, it would make sense. He does rank out as a top 20 play in the nine to five model. And then lastly, looking at Robbie Shelton, and this is definitely more of a GPP only play course history wise had a 16th place finish two years ago, then a miscut. So that's his only course history. So already seeing that he did have some upside in his make cut. And we see that too with his recent starts. Okay. A sixth, a miscut and a 10th. That is pretty good stuff there. So he's someone that can certainly get hot race out as a top 20 play or top 25 play in the nine to five model. But if you look at it as like make cut percent, it's only 63%, so far from a lock and load, definitely a GPP only play. And then since we don't have our cash cow in the field this week with Andrew Putnam, we have to go with our secondary cash cow, which is going to be Aaron Baddeley. And yes, I'm kind of cheating here because he is 7K and not 6.9. I want to include him because he has been a value play for us the last two weeks and really a bunch already this fall. Okay, he has been playing some great golf. Even in that miscut at the Makoba, still shot under par. You know, he has shot under par basically in every single tournament. He is just playing way too good of golf to still be at this price tag. That is 
Very interesting. Okay, he has been someone that has been pretty obviously mispriced, really, in his play, I would say, past five starts. Maybe not obviously, but last week and the week before that, yes. It was someone that was easy to spot as a great value play. I've been pretty shocked at his ownership and honestly a little bit offended. It's like, what the heck is going on? One of the top experts in the field is telling you guys to play this value play, and it hasn't been happening. Like, what is going on? It's It wasn't a free square, but at the same time, logically speaking, it made a lot of sense to pair with John Rahm. Like, what was going on there? And now, because I'm saying that, people are going to have some FOMO, and now he's going to be chalkier than he should be, probably. And he's not as good of a play as he had been the previous weeks, okay? Recent form is still good. You know, top 40 in the field there, staff fit, uh, top 40 in the field, specialist-wise, 51st. Ranks up 51st in the 9-5 model. So, you know, definitely better than the players around his price point here, but far from a lock and load. Okay, course history-wise, one miscut. That is not great, but you know my rule. I typically like to play players until they let me down. Aaron Baddeley would certainly fall in that uh, category there. And so, sure, the price point is starting to get correct, but at the same time, we do have to think about it because of that price tag. You know, if he was 6.8, yes, I'd, I'd say we'd probably still be loading up on him then. So Austin Smotherman is going to be a pretty interesting play, I think, this week. Uh, I have not really been someone on the Austin Smotherman uh, train, hype train. And honestly, on paper, like we really aren't getting that many great value plays is, is what is what I'm trying to tell you here. The fact that Smotherman is popping up as a decent price point play should tell you all that you need to know. But looking at it, he did have an 11th place finish here last year, coming in as the 26th best specialist in the field. Only ranks out 78 in the nine to five miles. So not really good. Like we're not expecting good stuff there from him. But at the same time, could he make the cut? Sure. And the value tier is all about trying to get lucky. Okay. You are trying to find okay plays that have upside. Davis Thompson last week, okay? He was someone that I mentioned in passing that could be a good play. You know, others were like Tyson Alexander, who missed the cut, Eric Cole, Sam Ryder. Obviously, we were on Ryan Armour and Aaron Baddeley as two kind of really strong value price point plays. You kind of need to get lucky if you're trying to take down a GPP. And that's really what this section is doing. And that's really the point of it. So someone like Scott Piercy, I don't hate either. He ranks out 53rd in the 9 to 5 model. We can see his recent starts haven't been terrible. For him, it has been one bad round that has really thrown it off. And even last week, uh, I guess you could say two bad rounds. At the price take, kind of worth the risk. Made the cut here last year, but nothing great there. Uh, he has been someone that has been playing some pretty good golf. And if we remember the near victory that he had uh, about five months ago now, you know he's he's an okay value play. I mentioned Eric Cole as being an okay value play. We can see you know the starts are starting to add up. The made cuts are starting to add up here. Uh, at 6.7, an okay play. Like, not a terrible staff hit as well. Top 50 in the field. Uh, recent form rise brings out top 50 in the field as well. Like, not a terrible play. If you want to take a educated guess on that recent form, you can. That's not terrible. Cole Hammer, someone that's made three straight cut, cuts in a row. One player that keeps kind of popping up, and I hate it, is Kevin Struelman. Has about a 54% chance to make the cut. That's because he has good course history. 39th, 37th, 15th, and then a missed cut. So really good stuff there. Specialist-wise, top 25 in the field. Course history rank top 25 in the field. Stat rank-wise, top 40 in the field. Ranks out around 54th in the 9-5 model as someone that could make the cut. Not a guarantee. Obviously, the form has been terrible. Just someone that you know, wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week, just given that course history. Justin Lauer, another one of those okay price point plays. Okay, made the cut last week, and that that's really it. Um, you know, had two bad starts in the fall swing, the RSM Classic in the Houston Open. You know, prior to that, had been playing some good golf. You know, staff wise top 50 in the field, recent form-wise, top 50 in the field. He is a top eight specialist, though, and that's really what we're hanging our hat on is that specialist stat. So maybe, maybe he has some good juju going there. And then lastly, looking at Taylor Moore, who hasn't been terrible. His missed cuts have been close to being made cuts, um, but he is on a downward trend. So you don't love that. Uh, Taylor Moore 
does rank out as a top 20 specialist as well. You guys can clearly see we aren't getting the elite value plays that we have been getting previously. So that's why during this video, I was kind of saying maybe, and this is kind of how I'm leaning right now, which I don't like. I have been enjoying doing the studs and duds approaches, but that's why when we get into the first up build, I might be leaning more towards a studs and or a fair and balanced approach. So let's go ahead and get into the core plays real quick. So quite clearly, John Rahm is going to be a core play this week. If you guys can afford to fit him into your builds, I would suggest that you do so. He is truly the class of the field. Just coming in, checking all the boxes, third best course history rank, uh, and three straight top seven or better finishes at this course. Uh, first in recent form rank, first staff fit, or first in uh, the nine to five model, best specialist in the field, really just coming in, checking all the boxes. I would argue he's still too cheap at 11.6. The next core play is going to be Xander Schauffele, who I'd argue probably should be an 11K price point play. As long as we don't get any news about that back flaring up, he should be a strong price point play this week. We can see that recent form besides that withdrawal, ninth or third, ninth, fourth, third, just really good stuff there from him. If we go back further, we see two victories mixed in there as well. Great course history here, th or four straight make cuts at the uh, Torrey Pines South course, as well as a 34th place finish last year, which was his worst start over those past four starts. Coming in as the second best pick in the 95 model, very strong price point play this week. And then looking at Taylor Montgomery is someone that has been in just some strong recent form. And it really just wouldn't be shocking to see him kind of put it all together for a victory this week. He has had success at this tournament in the past, which is obviously something that we like to see, especially from a guy that doesn't have that many starts on the PGA Tour. It's nice to see that he has played well at this tournament in the past. Coming in as the third best specialist in the field, which should be encouraging to you guys guys coming in as the top 10 pick in the nine to five mile he is someone that i think we could be looking at outright wise as well as that 9.2 makes for a strong price point play and then my fourth core play of the week is going to be maverick mcneely just given the price point it does seem like a strange price point seems like he could have been maybe 8.9 seems like he's a little bit too cheap just given how good of a player he has been recently we can see 7th 27th 10th 18th 12th 10th over his past six starts just been spectacular there uh top 20 specialist the course history could be better but he's coming in off of a 30th place finish, which was coming in off of a miscut. So we do see better finishes. Love the fact that he does have course history. Love the fact that he was able to come in after a miscut and finish top 30. That shall lead to him potentially being a much better play this week. Top 10 pick in the 9-5 model. 8.6 just seems like too cheap of a price tag. And then just kind of a bonus play, I would say Thomas Dietrich could also be treated as a core play, maybe more so of a GBP core play, just given the fact that, you know, doesn't have the best course history, miscut and 49th, but that was a long time ago. I don't think we need to worry about that. His his recent form has been so strong. Top 20 in the field there. Top 15 specialist. Uh, actually, top five in the field recent form-wise. Top 15 staff at ranks out top 20 in the 9 to 5 model. At this price tag, he does seem too cheap. Does seem like someone we're trying to play. So now getting into the first look build, I did mention that we could probably easily just go like a fair and balance approach. Go Maverick Benili, go JJ Spawn, go Adam Hadwin. Feel pretty good about that. And then just go like Alex Smalley, feel pretty good about that. You could go Thomas Dietrich, and then you have 9.4 left over. You could go with one of our other core plays in Taylor Montgomery and feel pretty good about that lineup process. The issue that I don't like about that, uh, just given that off-season report that I did, that write-up that I did for you guys, I posted a video on it as well, is pretty much saying that it is basically dumb to not chase the stud, especially with the made cut percents favoring four out of six. On the normal made cut percent for you know, lineups is four out of six across the cut line. Typically speaking, people are not getting six for six across the cut line. It's basically like 5% of the time. So you could factor in a miscut by doing the fair and balanced approach or by doing the 